a series called In God We Trust, and we're in uh, week number two on it, and we're just talking through uh, what our relationship with our money should look like according to Jesus' teachings in the scriptures, and, and really what, what it is. And, and kind of just to start out today, what I wanted to do is, was do this. How, how many of us have just made like a flat-out error when it comes to money? Come on, All right? Just me today? Yeah, look, look, just keep your hands up, keep your hands up. Yeah, come on, keep it up, that's fine. Now everyone look around, look around. Just know that you're not alone. Just know that you're not alone, right? A lot of times when we start to talk about our money, we start to talk about our finances, we realize, man, we, like, we just can feel a whole lot of shame and a whole lot of guilt about maybe just some past mistakes or our current financial picture. But if you look around, man, we're all in that boat because if money is, can, be, can be a difficult thing. It can just be a challenging thing. And, uh, and so for all of us, it, well, you know, Dave Ramsey will call it doing stupid with zeros on the end of it, right? Like we've, we've all been there. I, I think, you know, I, I look back at just my, my, my short-term life here, uh, looking at just managing my own money. I just think, man, how, how just, I just kind of marvel at my own stupidity at times. Like how did that happen, you know? And, and feeling like just a false sense of shame for the longest time, like, man, I just can't seem to get my, my head wrapped around this in all these different ways. But, but how many know that pain can be a difficult experience, but it can be a pretty thorough teacher, can it? And, and often in our pain, what, no matter what area of our life, no matter what realm our life, of life we're in, our, our pain can often force us into a new direction that can consider what God might have to say about where we're at in our life. Um, many times when we find ourselves in a, in a season of pain, we start to ask the bigger questions of life whether that we're in a, we're in a, a really a stra, a strained season of our marriage or financially really tight or maybe we're making some errors or just even in a relationship or two, maybe something at work. And there's all sorts of different things. We find ourselves in pain and we start to ask ourselves, well, man, there's gotta be a better way to, to do some of this. And, and, and often that pain can be a teacher to get us into what, considering what, what God might be saying about our about our money, and so, it, but what, what, by and large, I really wanna make sure we're clear on this, is that, is that money is a discipleship issue, and I, I really wanna make sure that we don't kinda of skate past that. If we wanna follow Jesus, we do have to ask him what he thinks about money, and we do have to figure out what he teaches about it, and, and, and try to go on that way. And, but but, but le- that's why last week we talked about, really quickly, how Managing your money and, relation, being, and being in a relationship with your money doesn't really start with a budget. It starts with trust. When you start to really dive into the inner parts of your finances, you're going to be challenged with the question, who do you trust more, you or God? Like how, how, who is uh, gonna be the one that's, that's the Lord over your money? And if, if, if Jesus is Lord, then he has to be Lord even over this area. And so we really, we're just kind of getting into a uh, question. But, but, but way before we ever ask God what he wants us to do with our money and how we should handle our money, we have to talk about whether or not we trust him. Whether or not we trust him. This is what I love, Proverbs 3. Maybe, maybe you have this on a pillowcase somewhere or something like that. But this is why I love this verse, that trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. And, and when I apply this verse to finances, ultimately I think that the, the big phrase that comes into my mind all the time is that, that trusting God with your money isn't really about make, what decisions that you should be making, but about which path you should be taking. And really it's not about what, what decisions to make, it's what path 
you should take. I mean, gosh, how many times, have, how, many, how, much, how many stressful conversations or maybe lost nights of sleep that we've had just trying to figure out how to do this thing better? How do we make our money do what we need it to do? Or how do we grow? Or how do we get going? And, and really, it's not just about the decisions that we're making. Sometimes we make these one-off decisions but it's really about the path that we should take. And so what I want to kind of help us break down today is, is it just a wise financial path. And, and we're, I'm gonna take everything from the book of Proverbs um, today. What the book of Proverbs is, is, a, is just a wisdom book. It's, it's in the Old Testament. It's really halfway through the Bible. It's a wisdom book. And it's one of the five wisdom books that are in the Old Testament. But, but, but really the, the idea is, is you're asking the question, God, what is the best way to live life? And he shares with us proverbs or wisdom that helps us maneuver through life. Sometimes when I'm trying to ask some bigger questions about life, whether it be about parenting or, or just, a, a, you know, whether it could be working or anything of that, or any of that nature, sometimes what I'll do is I'll take the theme or the question that I have and I'll, I'll read the entire book of Proverbs in a couple sittings. And I'll just make, a, I'll have a, just a little notepad and I'll say, okay, that, that proverb has to do with parenting, or that proverb has to do with money, that proverb has to do with money, that proverb has to do with money, that proverb has to do with money. And often you begin to pull out all of the wisdom that God might be sharing about a certain topic. And it's a really helpful way to just be like, God, what, what do you think? I mean, how, how many times have we ever thought that question? Like, God, if I just knew his will, right? If I just knew his will for my life, if I just knew what decisions that I should be making, and he, and he has given us uh, bits and pieces of wisdom that we should be taking, uh, taking from the book of Proverbs, but all throughout the scriptures. But today we want to walk through some, some of the major ones from the book of Proverbs to see, God, what, what, what's a path that I should be taking to make sure my, my money lines up with what you think I should be doing? Are we tracking today? We good? We good? We have a lot of fun? Everyone's thinking about money, right? Yeah? Sweet? All right. Like, this is awkward. I'm in church, and I don't want to be talking about this. But hey, just a quick, wise financial path. And, and you know, before we go here, let's, let's say this. <laughs> we're all terrible at this at times, aren't we? Like, some of us, we're rock stars. I love you guys, and that's, that's awesome. And you guys, you guys should be our rock, and you should help us lead Financial Peace University. Um, and then some of us, we're, we're not. We're just not good at it. And what, what's so cool about the church is that it's not really anything about the amount of money we have or how good we are at managing money. The only thing we have in common is that we need Jesus. And, uh, and so I don't want you to look at this and feel shameful or guiltful or anything like that. I just really want you to think, God, I know you want what's best for me, and so I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna trust you in that. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, it'd be a lot better way to walk through the sermon today than uh, like, oh, I don't do that. Oh, I don't do that. Oh, I don't do that. Oh, thanks a lot, Pastor. I don't do that either. Thanks so much. But I think it'd be a lot of fun to walk through this together and, and get some wisdom. So a quick, wise financial path. If we want God to trust God with all of it and let him show us the path that we should take, the first step that we should take when it comes to our money is that we should tithe. All right. All right, we're just going to say that word out in public, aren't we? All right. we're, we should tithe. Now, what's tithe? Me? Tithe is the first 10% of your income um, gives back to God. Now, we're going to dive into this next week a little bit further and just really kind of look at all of the, 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 what the scriptures teach regarding it. But here's the thing is we don't have to get stuck on any certain percentage or number. I think what we have to do more than anything is we have to intentionally give to God. Right now, um, the, 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 we have to, t whether it's a Friday or a Wednesday or once a month or whenever we get paid on a consistent manner, what we have to do is intentionally give 
back to God. Now, now what happens is the, the, most of the Bible, they, when they talk about giving and earning, so there's, there's a lots of percentages that are talked about. And there's, a lot, there's a lot that is said about 10%. That's why we start there. Um, some people, man, like they're, they're, they give a little bit more than that. Some people give a little bit less. But I think much, much more intentionally, uh, much more, a uh, much better way of doing it is intentionally giving intentionally giving. You will give, the stats show, that just a normal middle class family will unintentionally give like two to three percent of their income every year. Um, just like whether it's like the dollar at CVS, how many love that, right? Just like the dollar to whatever, or, or it could be $20 here, or maybe $100 or $200 somewhere else. But you'll unintentionally give about two to three percent of your income. So what I always tell people when I'm pastoring them through this is just start by intentionally giving Two to three percent. Just start there. Because that way you say, okay, well, I'm already unintentionally giving it by, by, by just kind of giving it off. But no, I'm going to intentionally give at the beginning of every week or once a month. I'm going to intentionally give two to three percent uh, back to God. Because this is what Proverbs will teach us. Why this is a good idea. He says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. When you, no matter, we don't have to get into a conversation about percentages as much. What we do have to understand is that there's a trajectory in the Bible that when we bless and honor God, acknowledging that he owns everything, that he has given us our resources, when we acknowledge that, he says that there's a trust cycle that's built. And he, you know what? We can expect him to meet our needs. We're going to talk about that a little bit more uh, later. But, but we can expect him to meet every one of our needs. But this, this moment here is so intimate because what we're doing is we're acknowledging that, that he's the owner of everything, not us. The first step that we're doing is saying, God, you own everything. You are Lord. You are the creator. You're sovereign over all things, and I worship you. And the thing is, everyone says, well, why does he want 10% of my money? In fact, if he owns 100% of it, I think he lets you keep 90. Right? I think it's awesome that he lets us keep 90. But we have a trajectory issue. We have a, we have like a, like a, a, a pattern problem here where, where we believe like, okay, if he, I own everything, that I can't believe God wants 10%, but no, but I think a follower of Jesus, a follower of Jesus says he owns everything. God, thank you just for allowing me the resource to provide for my family, to provide for my needs. God, you, God, you know all my needs way before I even ask them, and you provide for them in that. But many times what we end up doing is we don't acknowledge God at all in our finances. We don't acknowledge God at all in our finances, and when something goes wrong, the first person we ask about it is God. But what he wants is there to be a trajectory change in our life. Say, God, I can't believe you've given us so much to work off of. And he's given it to us to steward, to manage, to watch over, to use for his glory in our world. And so what we have to do is we have to acknowledge him first. Say, God, this is yours. And so the first, if, if you don't do this at all today, the best place to start is just to start at that 2 to 3% that you already unintentionally give and just intentionally give it to God in worship and then build on that from there because it's good news. That's what he says. It's good to honor the Lord with your wealth first, the best part of everything you produce. And there's story after story that we don't have time to go into, but when we acknowledge God with the best, what he does is he's constantly receiving the praise and the glory of that 
and he's allowing a lot of work to move in you and through you because there's this awesome teamwork that you have regarding your resources. And so the first thing you gotta do is realize that, that managing your money doesn't start with a budget, it starts with a person. And it starts with Jesus. And we say, God, you own everything. And if you own everything, you're gonna take care of everything. And we gotta trust him in that. Can we, can we, can we agree on that today? We just gotta, we gotta start there. And, and, and if you, no matter where you're at, no matter where you're at when it comes to worshiping God with your finances, just start by intentionally giving. We'll, we'll, start, we'll talk more about that next week as we, as we dive through that. So first place to start, the first path to take is to intentionally give back to God what is already his and he's asked us to acknowledge that with our finances. The second path that we should take is that we should budget. We should budget. How about that for the most inspiring message of our entire year, right? This is like, Pastor, I'm so glad I came to church today. I was excited about, about all this stuff. No, but we should budget. We, we know this. We know this, right? Know what comes in, but you'll be surprised how many people that just don't know how, how much money they get every week or how much money they get every other week. Just know how much goes in and have a plan for what goes out. Tell your money where to go instead of trying to figure out where it went, right? We just gotta figure that, and then at the end of the day, make sure less goes out that comes in, right? Just, it can be simple math, but at the same time, a lot of times we struggle with this because we don't have a simple pathway, right? It's not that you don't want to do this, it's maybe you just were never taught, or maybe you just never, never practiced, or maybe you just don't know what's right or what, I mean, for me, I always need some sort of a benchmark to know if I'm doing, I'm like, I kinda wanna do the right thing, and I always wanna be making that, and I always need to know a pathway of some sort by some sort of a, a resource that helps me. But this is why Proverbs teaches us, this is why this is important. It says, in the house of the wise are choice stores of food and oil, but a foolish man devours all that he has. Again, if we're gonna trust God with our money, if we're gonna trust God with our money, we have to first acknowledge that he owns everything. 100% of it is his. And he's given it to us to watch over. And if we are wise with the money that he's given to us and entrusted to us, if we're wise with it, we're gonna make sure that we are appropriately spending it so that all of our needs are met and we could actually be a, a bit more generous on the back end. And so what we have to do is we have to budget. We have to really make sure that goes through a filter of all of that. Here's another verse in Proverbs that helps us kind of move through this, but Proverbs 27 says, know well the condition of your flocks. Now remember, this is a first century, or even before the first century, everyone's just watching over things. And so that's why they're using this illustration. But know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds, for riches do not last forever. Can I get an amen, right? Um, and does, not, does a crown endure to all generations. When the grass is gone and the new growth appears and the vegetation of the mountains is gathered, the lambs will provide your clothing, the goats the price of the field, and there will be enough goat's milk for your food, for the food of your household and maintenance for your girls. And so what he's saying the, here is that God is going to supply everything if you know well the conditions of your flock. Right, he's saying, okay, well, I'm not a sheep herder, right? Unless you live in Rehoboth, and there's a good chance you might be. Um, but, but by and large, by and large, you're saying, I just need to know well the condition of my bank account or what God has given me for work, right? I gotta know well that because at the end of the day, it's gonna be able to meet all the things that I need. God has given to you resources to provide for your needs. And what we have to do is intentionally watch it, intentionally look at it, intentionally uh, uh, process it so that it actually can meet 
our needs. Are we tracking on that? Now, now for me, I, like I said, I always need like a percentage thing. So this is a simple budget tool that you can use. I don't know if you, we'll, we'll release this online later as well. But, but these are just percentages. If you have a total amount, this is why percentages are much better than amounts, right? If, you, if, you, if we all compared amounts, like we'd all have different amounts. That's not how this works. But, but you should be watching different amounts for a different way. So the first thing, tithing, 10 to 15% for people, saving 10 to 15%, housing 25 to 45, and you can kind of walk through this. In different season of your life, you know this, right? I don't, I'm not telling you anything new. Deep, different things will have different percentages, of course. But these are just a basic kind of a best, best practice sort of a way to look at that Dave Ramsey would use in his financial peace class that we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but this is just a basic way to say, okay, am I healthy? Are my finances looking pretty healthy? And, and, and if so, then how can we, how can we kind of move forward this in a, in a, in a major way? And how can we take, take care of some steps that God would have us? So here's just a simple budget tool that may, maybe you might be able to use. And so you want to kind of start out on this path. You want to tithe, first acknowledge God, then second, budget your money in and out. And, but then third, what you want to do is really attack debt. You really attack debt as a, as a or I'm sorry, save $1,000. Uh, not, a, not, not attack it. Save $1,000. We don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but Proverbs will talk about it this way. Um, a prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. How many know water heaters go? Right? But how many times do we get stuck in those, those moments where we're like, man, I don't know how to be able to pay for that. The, the, the best, one of the best things you can do is just have an emergency fund there. Just a thousand bucks or something like that. And you gotta save up for that. And you gotta, you gotta do some hard work sometimes to get to that money and then not touch it. And then not touch it, whether that's in a different account. Man, we, like we, my wife and I, we have a different bank account for savings stuff because we know we're just gonna figure out ways to, to get rid of that. And, and so what we, gotta, we, gotta, we gotta send that somewhere else. And so saving a thousand dollars so that when the water heater goes or man, when, the, when something crazy happens to your car, right? how many times have you, like we just had a thermostat housing going on one of our cars and we're like, what is that? Even what's the thermostat housing? But you have to be able to pay for that when that happens, and and constantly working through it. We we need to make sure we're aware of that. How many know that this is like one of the the most like one of the most troubling things sometimes when you wake up just wondering when the emergency is going to hit. And I don't think God ever wants us to feel that level of angst. He wants us to trust. And so what we have to do is really get ready for something like that. The third thing, so the fourth thing you want to do to, to really get a, a really wise financial path, number four, is to attack debt. Um, this is the type, this is, Dave Ramsey will say, no debt at all. A lot of people, some other financial experts will say, hey, you know, if it's 5 to 10% of your, of your budget every month, that's okay. Um, but, but really, I think it's the, it's how we're using debt in a lot of these different ways. And this is what, this is what Proverbs will talk about it. He says, my child, if you have put security for a friend's debt or agreed to guarantee the debt of a stranger, if you have trapped yourself by your agreement and are caught by what you said, follow my advice and save yourself. Save yourself like a gazelle, escaping from a hunter, like a bird fleeing from a net. And so a gazelle is like, like if you're escaping a hunter, do you like twiddle your thumbs and just hope he doesn't see you? Right? I mean, sorry for the rhetorical question. No, but the, the picture here is, man, we gotta, we gotta attack this thing. We gotta get out of here. We gotta figure out what to do. And this is primarily, I think, I think one of the major, sink, like, he'll, Dave Ramsey will talk about something like car payments and things like that. But I think sometimes just even before we get to a car payment, it's just consumer debt. 
It's just getting rid of that few thousand dollars that some of us might be just managing is just attacking that. And you'll realize when you all of a sudden have a couple, extra, a couple hundred dollars extra in your budget, all of a sudden now you got things that you can do, right? You got, they, you got all sorts of new life because you're not in a hamster wheel trying to take care of some of those things. But attacking this type of debt might feel different for some. Some people it's consumer debt. Some people it's a student loan. Um, some people it's, uh, you know, it could be their house and getting rid of that so that they can really take a next step into all that God might have for them and, and really use them in that. And so he says, you got to get out of debt. Like a gazelle fleeing a hunter. We got to talk like a, like a bird freeing a net, because, uh, fleeing from a net, because ultimately that will help us feel like we're moving somewhere on money. How many are inspired this morning? Come on, right, right, come on, let's, let's get some, yeah. We can, <laughs> everyone's like, this is, this is hard, Pastor. This is, this is a big piece of me. No, but I want you to be, I want you, you know what I want more than anything, and this is the stuff that you know, we talk about sometimes, is I just want you to feel like, man, we can do this. You know how, you know how hard it is sometimes to, to get out of a generational mindset of some of your, about some, some of your money? It's just mentally saying, no, 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 why do, why do I have to be stuck in this? Why do I have to be stuck in this? And it always does happen to, to it, it really does, you, you need something to help you kind of go there sometimes, to, to kind of spur you in good direction. That's why number five, that, that for a pathway to, uh, for a wise financial path, is to build quality relationships. If you go to build quality relationships. Now, it's not, it, you think, man, that's a really funny one for a financial path. But here's what's, the, the fact is this, that you actually are a sum of the five closest friends in your life. You're a, like the, the, what you value, what you desire, some of the things that you want to do in life, it's really a sum of the top five things, it's top five friends that you have. And so if all of your friends are saying, no, we need to go on a cruise, or no, we need to buy this car, or no, we need to get this type of a house, or upgrade this thing in our house, or something like that, whatever the case is, whether that's your family or a group of friends, whatever it is, it, it's really, that's what's going to infuse how, how hesitant or how, uh, uh, or how progressive you are when it comes to attacking certain parts of your finances, your five closest friends. So who are they? So one of the things we do here at the church is we do, we offer this thing called Financial Peace University, which is, I've been mentioning Dave Ramsey, the guy that offers all the content in that. But every January we do this. And so far, I, I, could, I can introduce you to about seven families right now. This has legitimately changed their life. It just changed everything about their life. And, 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 they're, they're, and they're following the process, they're following the system. But I'll tell you right now, there's more freedom right now in our church when it comes to our finances over the last three years than there ever has been. Because people are simply saying, I want to honor God first in my finances. I want to honor God first with all of our finances. And I'll, give you, you know, I'll just give you this sort of thing. Uh, we've been, we've been we, we released our impact report, uh, obviously, every, every year we do that in the fall. But what we... Typically in a, in a pastoral transition, you know, everyone says, you know, you, you really should be expecting to just bottom out when it comes to tithing and giving, all this sort of thing. No one wants to give during those times. We never saw a year over the last three years that we were less giving than the year before. Never one time. Why? Because you guys decided God is much more important than anything else. Anything else. Giving is, is a big part of that. Giving's a huge part of that, but it's much more than that. It's really looking at your entire financial picture and saying, God, this is everything is important to you because you're Lord over everything. And so you want to build quality relationships. You want people around you to say, hey, hey, don't buy that. 
How many just wish that you had like a no button all the way around you, right? Just like someone just says, no, don't do that. Hey, no, don't do that. Hey, no, don't do that. Hey, have five no spend days. Hey, have seven no spend days. Hey, have one no spend day. Like just a friend that was constantly doing that. And that's what I really think if you're in a spot where you're saying, I just want a new relationship with, our, with my money. You can register for financial peace today. It's, in, it's gonna be in six or seven weeks. Um, uh, well, actually, no, in January, the first, like the first bit, bit of January. That way, you know what? You can get through Christmas, spend all you want, right? Because that's fun. Just get through all the stuff, right? And then pick up in January and really take the hard work of managing your money. But, but in January, no, we want to kick off and say, no, we want a new relationship with our finances. If you're, freshly mar- if you're newly married or you're planning to get married or anything like that, you need to go through this class. If you're struggling in your marriage and finances or something like that, you need to go through this class because what you need to agree on the same level, you need to agree to a system, not just to a person. Agree to a system that you both can agree to, to say, we're gonna do this path. We're gonna follow this path for our money. That way, when I feel like I don't wanna do this, or you feel like you don't wanna do it, we can agree to the same type of path. That's what we need to do. We need to build those types of quality relationships. Here's what Proverbs will say. Your own soul is nourished when you are kind, but you destroy yourself when you are cruel, right? Building relationships. You want to be together. Jerks don't win, right? <laughs> no, jerks don't win. You might see that in the movies, but that's not what happens in real life. You want to build quality relationships with people. First Corinthians will also talk about it. It says this, don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. He's talking about the resurrection in First Corinthians 15. He says, hey, don't listen to people that are telling you those things, that, that the resurrection isn't real, because ultimately that'll change everything about the trajectory of your life. And so, but here's really where I think God wants all of his, build, all of his followers to get to. All of his followers he wants us to get to one simple place when we are following him because this is kind of where he lives. This is where God lives all the time and he wants you to do that. This is the, num- the, sixth, pe- the sixth step or the fifth step in the, the wise financial path is to live generously. It's to live generously. And I'm not talking about giving away big droves of money, but some of you actually can do that. Some of you actually can. Ha- in, in fact, we, we, we've been talking about spiritual gifts in our community groups. One of those is giving. A spiritual gift of giving. Everyone's like, I'm not praying for that one, right? This, the Bible says to earnestly desire all the gifts, not praying for that one. I like my money in my bank account, right? But, but some of us, we have a spiritual gift of, of giving. And it doesn't have to be giving all of your money to the church all the time, it's, but it can be in saying, hey, you know what? I see that need. I see that person struggling. I see that single mom. I see that, that family. I see any business stuff. And the church can be helpful and be a relationship with you to help you manage that. But I think many times, if we have eyes, the eyes of Jesus, think about Jesus, he came so that he could give his life. Like that's really giving is so dear to the heart of God because he, he, that's who he is. He gave his entire life. And we can not just be generous with our money, but generous with our life, generous with our time, generous with our resources, with our spaces. I've told you this story many times, but, but for, for the longest time, I didn't feel very generous with, with my space, with my house, or with my stuff. And really, and God really challenged me that through, the, through the, the lives of some of my friends, like just to be generous with our space. And he, because he wants to get you there. This is what Proverbs will teach us when it talks about it. It says, the generous will prosper. 
those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And there's actually, this is what I love about this, is a guy named Simon Sinek, for those of you who like leadership books, he will talk about this. He says, he says in your brain, there's, there's actually your, your dopamine, the, the chemicals in your brain that make you feel really awesome, right? What will actually release when you serve and when you are giving and when you are generous in some way. It actually, that's what releases in your brain. You feel better. That's, and and it's, it's, it's this Proverbs 11. That's what he's talking about. He's saying you will be refreshed the more and more you give. And what God created our lives to be are conduits of heaven. God created our life to be just a conduit of his glory, of his joy to all the people around us. Because we need to love others the way that we've been loved. And so he wants your life to just be a conduit into the life of other people with your time and with your space, with your money, with everything that he has given you so that you can fully participate in the restoration of, of all things. And so for you, I don't know where you're at today, but we wanted to give you just a, a, a small little step to practice this. And so if we did this last year. We want to do it again this year. But we are going to give away coats to Baldwin Elementary School and, we're going to, and, and to uh, Julie, Julie Slater's Elementary School in Central Falls. The name is escaping me at the time. But, but we're going to give coats this year to, uh, to schools. And guess how much they cost? $20, right? We got 20 bucks. Some of us have more than that. And some of us can do that, but, but you don't practice this generosity often. And what I want to do is just give you that small little step. So you know what, I can buy a coat for a kid who's in need. And this is the first step, the first practice to living outside of ourselves when it comes to our finances. That God has given you money and resource and time, not just so that you can be all about yourself with it, but that you can participate in his mission. So that you can participate in all that he's asked you to be a part of. And so today, we're going we're gonna to launch that. We, I think, you know, I, I, we're going to give away 100 coats. It's 2,000 bucks. I think we could do that probably in this gathering if we really wanted to try hard. But we'll definitely do it next, next gathering. I think we can take care of this this week if we all decide that we want to live outside ourselves. Are, are we tracking together on this today, right? <laughs> to close up, here's what Luke will teach us. This is Jesus teaching us about money. This is what he says. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust, trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and be enslaved to money. He says, man, I want, I want to give you a lot of influence. I want to give you uh, access to people and places to see lives changed by Christ. And I want you to be faithful with what I've given you. If you could just change that today. Change your view of money from being yours to being God's. God, you have given me 100% of everything that I have. If you could just start there. So, you know, I'm going to intentionally handle the money according to your glory. I want to give you glory with every, every dollar I have in my bank account. Every dollar I spend, I want to give it back to you because you've given it to me for my needs, you've given it to me for my enjoyment, and you've given it to me ultimately so that you can be glorified here on earth. He wants you to be a conduit of heaven for the people around you. And you want to start here. God, you own everything. And I trust you. And I will follow your path because you are Lord over every area. We want to start on that. Are we good this morning?